Good morning. Welcome to First United Methodist Church. We are delighted that you are here for this time of worship as we greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you join me in reading responsively our call to worship? Christ is like a single body which has many parts. It is still one body, even though it is made up of different parts. Therefore, the foot cannot say, I am not part of the body, nor can the ear say, I am not part of the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, nor can the head say to the feet, I don't need you. If one part of the body suffers, all other parts suffer. If one part of the body is praised, all other parts share in its happiness. All of you are Christ's body. Each one of us is a part of it. sacrifice and transform us by your spirit that being many members of one true body we may pray together in the name of Christ the Lord. Amen. 
morning. Today I wanted to talk about our New Testament lesson, which is from Romans, in which Paul talks about how we all fit together. Paul likes to use the image of a body. He likes to use the image of how all the different parts of the body fit together. It doesn't seem like any of the parts look like each other, so it's hard to believe that they all belong together to form a body. I mean, think about your big toe and your elbow. If you just saw a big toe and an elbow, would you think, oh, well, those two things go together as the part of one thing, a body. But they're both important, and they both have to go where they go. You wouldn't want your big toe to be where your elbow is or your elbow to be where your big toe is. You kind of want them to be where they are. But as different as all of our body parts are, they all do come together so that we can do lots of, of different things with our bodies. Today I brought a puzzle. I like doing puzzles. This is a, a puzzle that is a New York, a New York Times one, not a New York Times, a New Yorker one. Uh, it's called Regatta, uh, which is a sailboat race, and it's from the cover of the New Yorker magazine in 1949, and I just really like it. I like sailboats, and I like doing puzzles. This puzzle has a thousand pieces, and all of the pieces matter. I mean, imagine if I put this whole puzzle together and there was one piece missing right smack in the middle. Would you notice? I would notice. Or what if some of the puzzle pieces just decided they didn't want some of the other puzzle pieces to be a part of the puzzle? What if, if one of the sailboat pieces said to the, one of the water pieces, we, we, don't want you in the, we don't want you in the picture? Well, that, what, if, what would the sailboat be sailing in then? Chocolate pudding? I mean, they need water to complete the picture. So all of the pieces matter to make the whole picture come together. And that's kind of how the church works too. Every one of us is a puzzle piece. And together we create a picture of God's love in the world. And it takes all of us. If one of us is missing, it's kind of like the hole in the middle of the picture. Um, and all of us are different, just like each of these puzzle pieces is different, has a different part of the design, it has a different shape. And in the church, we're all different pieces, and we all have different gifts and abilities. We're all just different, different histories, and that makes us better together. That makes our picture more beautiful. Uh, imagine if all of the pieces were the same. That, that wouldn't work. That would be really boring. Imagine if one of the pieces said, well, I want to be your part of the puzzle, and I don't want to be my part of the puzzle. Would that work? That wouldn't work. I mean, Joe Gardner, for example, she plays the piano on Sundays, and she sings. What if I decided that I wanted to do that? And instead of preaching, I played the piano and sang. I can play the piano. I don't think anybody would like it because I only know how to play one song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. So we would start the service with Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And that would be our first hymn and our offertory and our second hymn and our postlude. It would be pretty bad. So it's pretty good that Jill has that gift and she can, she can play lots of different music and lead us in singing lots of different music and... I can just do my part, but everybody has a part. It doesn't matter how, how tall or small you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter 
if you're a girl or a boy or a man or a woman, it just, all of us have a different piece of the puzzle. And together, God makes it a beautiful picture of his love for the world. We never know. This has a thousand pieces, but a church, a church can make a beautiful picture for God, whether there's two people, two pieces of the puzzle, or 50, or 100, or 1,000, or even more. It's God who really decides on what the beautiful picture is that he wants us to come together to make. So never feel like you're a part of the puzzle doesn't matter. Everybody's part of the puzzle matters. And in order to make a completely beautiful picture, we all have to share our gifts, play our, play our part, and be the piece of the puzzle that God wants us to be. Thank you. Let us pray. Prepare us, O God, to hear your word through the scriptures of this day. Confront us with your claims on our lives. Clarify the choices we must make if our lives are to have meaning and purpose through the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our New Testament lesson this morning is found in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, beginning with the first verse. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning is found in the 16th chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning with the 13th verse. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone 
that he was the Messiah. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we begin our look at this 12th chapter of Romans, I would like to ask for your indulgence. I'd like you to think for just a moment of one of the best presents you have ever received from someone else. It might have been an article of clothing or a book or a trip or a musical instrument or a vehicle. Just think for a second about what that is exactly. And then think about what you did with that gift. Did you use it the way that the giver intended for you to do so? Or did you waste it? Did you ignore it? Or did you do something else with it? Hold on to that thought. Now I want you to think about a gift that you gave to someone else, but it wasn't appreciated or used as you had hoped. And I want you to hold on to that image as well. And finally, I want you to think about a time you gave someone a gift and they loved it and they used it well. How did you feel when that happened? Hold on to that feeling, if you would, for a moment. As I have shared before, I am adopted. I was adopted when I was three months old in a closed adoption, which was pretty much the standard way of adopting back in the day. I have never found my birth parents, and I understand that it is actually very difficult to do so if one was born in New York as I was. I know a little bit about my birth parents, and I, I know that I have had many opportunities that I would not have had if they hadn't given me up for adoption. I wouldn't have had the opportunity, for example, to travel or to go to college. I would have to say that being able to go to college was the best gift I have been given. I'm so grateful to my parents for affording me that opportunity. I received that gift with both gratitude and a sense of responsibility. I went to UVA, which is known for being academically rigorous, but also known for being a party school. I would not have used this gift well if I had slept through classes, or partied instead of studying, or taken nine years to finish. But, you see, I'd been given this incredible gift, and the best thing for me to do with it was to use it as it was intended, and to live into the fullness of possibility that it afforded me. Some of you no doubt remember the 1998 film Saving Private Ryan, the magnificent story of a squad of American infantry led by Tom Hanks, who are assigned to find an American paratrooper after D-Day and bring him home safely. The first 27 minutes of the film are a blood and gore bathed portrayal of the horrors of war, featuring the D-Day landing on the beaches of Normandy. When the movie came out and World War II veterans went to see it, many of them left sobbing during those first 27 minutes of the film. Private James Ryan is the last survivor of four brothers. And because of the policy, the sole survivor policy, which protected soldiers if they were the last surviving family member in the war, Hanks is ordered to find Private Ryan and bring him back alive. 
So the squad searches for Ryan, finally finding him at the expense of many of the squad members' lives, including their leader. Near the end of the film, as Hanks is bleeding to death, he looks at Private Ryan and says, James, earn this. Earn it. The last scene in the movie shows an old man and his wife searching through a military cemetery in France. He comes to the grave of Hanks' character, Captain John Miller, and with tears streaming down his face, the elderly, Private Ryan, asks if he, been, he has been a good man, if he has earned the gift that has been given to him. He then salutes the grave as the camera pans down to a small American flag that has been placed there. What do you do with an incredible gift that has been given to you? By the time St. Paul gets to today's lesson from the 12th chapter of Romans, he has laid out for 11 chapters the meaning of Jesus' life and death and resurrection for Jews, for Gentiles, and for the entire cosmos. The letter of Romans is, in many ways, the foundation of all Christian theology forever after. After laying out this grand vision of what God has done in Jesus, chapter 12 begins with an important, pivotal word, therefore. Whenever you see or hear therefore in a speech or an article, or especially in the Bible, draw a big circle around it. Therefore is when all of the discussion and conjecture and argument are done, and you're going to get the answer about what needs to happen. Here it comes. Here's the punchline. Here's the bottom line. Here are the instructions. And in this case, after Paul has laid out the staggering gift of salvation, that God is offering the world through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, we're going to hear, in one sentence, what God really wants us to do about it. Therefore, the text reads, Therefore I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what does God want? What is God asking of us? Our bodies. It's kind of surprising, isn't it? I thought God wanted our hearts. God wanted good feelings and, and, and good thoughts, and above all, to just try. Just try to love God. Try to be nice. What is this body thing? What does God want with this body? The real sign of commitment, the real sign of love, is not what we think or feel. It is where we put our bodies. College for me was a wonderful gift, but I wouldn't have appreciated it appropriately if I hadn't gotten myself to class. I could thank my parents for the wonderful opportunity they'd afforded me, but the real way I thanked them was to avail myself of it. It wasn't enough for Captain Miller and General Marshall and President Roosevelt to send their condolences to, to Private Ryan and his mother. They needed to get his living body back home safely, sometimes at the expense of their own. 
My friend Brooke puts it this way, faith is not primarily about what we feel or think. It's about what we do. It's about where we put our bodies and time and presence and gifts, where we put those down. It's about getting on our knees to pray. It's about getting our bodies in the pew to worship when we're able to do that. It's about getting in classroom seats to learn. It's about getting in the kitchen to, to cook and, and getting on the floor with children and getting into a place where we can, can minister with those who are sick or homeless or imprisoned. It is not about thinking about it. It's not about feeling. It's about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God as our spiritual worship. Look at the next sentence from Paul. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God. First our bodies, then our minds. We get that conveniently backwards all the time. Any parent will tell you that he or she doesn't wait until their child thinks and feels the right things before that child is taught to eat or walk or brush their teeth or talk or read or say please and thank you. You teach the action and the mind and heart follow. Do not be conformed to this world means do not act like this world. Change the action and you will change the thinking and the feeling. Every great athlete, every great musician, every great dancer, every great actor practiced right action over and over, again and again, until the mind and heart followed. That's why the excuse is, I just don't feel like it, or my mind's just not in the right place, are, are kind of ridiculous. Do the right thing, and your head and heart will follow. God has given you this incredible gift, forgiveness, healing, reconciliation, love, grace, and eternal life through Jesus Christ. Just as Captain Miller and his men died for Private Ryan, the Son of God died for you too, so that you could come home safely as well. Now what are you going to do with that gift? What does the giver of that gift want you to do with it? It's not about what you think, and it's not about what you feel. By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Put your body at God's disposal, and you'll be amazed at how your heart and mind will follow. Thanks be to God. Amen. Yeah.
communion at God's table with those who come to pray. We are a family, a people of grace, sharing God's love in this holy place. Born by God's power and a common faith, worshiping Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now with the boldness of children of God, let us pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Go forth to be the people that God calls you to be. Remember that someone, somewhere, is counting on you to be that person this week. And so may you go forth in peace to be a part of the wonderful picture of God's love that he creates through us. Amen.